You're listening to the Dance Talks podcast brought to you by Dancebug Channel. Welcome back to a brand new edition of Dance Talks. I'm your host, Al Heller, and we are here with Jamie Hutchins. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you. And I'm going to tell the audience a little bit about you. Sure. You're a director, yep. a producer, and a choreographer. That's all correct. All right. You're originally from Ottawa. Sure am. The nation's capital. Ontario, that's right, where our government is. And uh, although you started in a kind of unconventional way, you've managed to land gigs with Madonna, Ariana Grande, Nick Jonas, Demi Lovato, and many more. That's impressive. We're going to talk about that. And you were one of the top five male finalists in the Triple Threat yeah. show on CBC. That mm -hmm. was a reality TV show. Yeah, Triple Sensation. Triple yeah. Sensation. Mm -hmm. You were one of the Triple Threat finalists. So the you idea was it. to find a Triple Threat. Yep. All right. So we'll talk about that. They found one. It wasn't me. Well, they came close <laughs> to finding you. They found you. They found me, but I didn't win the show. Exactly. Um, and you were featured dancer in Disney's Camp Rock 2. Uh, you've choreographed for many pop kids live concerts and also many of their videos. Yep. And you're currently working on a new, new project, which we're going to learn all about. It's called Real Talent. You got it. And last but not least, you are the co-host with the incredible Marnie Florence. Incomparable. Incomparable. Okay. Yeah. That's the word we're going to go with. Mm-hmm versus the dance comp battle on dance, dance bug, channel. bug channel that's you got right. it you so save the best for last right i i, I saved there. i saved the most important to me to last of course but more importantly than that we're going to find out about you so this is quite a list of accomplishments uh if you're watching this on the video then you you know that jamie looks like he's 16 but if you're not and you're on the podcast it's incredible that i'm looking at your face reading this resume and thinking you started at six i don't understand how they hired you when you were just a teen yeah. but apparently you're older than you look i won't let you uh, i won't hold you to that uh we're not gonna no, no disclosure okay, no gotcha. no no secrets but do tell me what it was like being young jamie jamie a boy what was your early years like oh my goodness that's a great question um i wasn't really in the arts that much. Like I started dancing very, very late. I started at 17, 18. Oh. Um, so very, very delayed. So unconventional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I always loved, like I, I, th I find it kind of funny now because I produce and direct music videos but I used to do it when I was like 11 and 12 years old with those big like things with the massive, you know, video cassettes that you had the to put VHS in another. Tapes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to, or the smaller one that you had to right. put in another VHS to watch it. Um, so I used to make music videos when I was like 11, 12, and I was a competitive diver. Um, so I used to compete like at the junior Olympic level for Canada in diving. And really? Yeah, and it was really fun. And I guess that gave me a lot of body awareness because when I started dancing, it was very easy for me. I, I picked up very quickly. I was teaching um, at the first studio I danced at within six months of taking my first class. So before we talk about dance, I want to go back to diving. Mm -hmm. How do you get into diving? How, like that—that's kind of a, how, do, how does how do you say to a, a little kid? I I think I know exactly what you're going to do. I want you to jump off this. Right. Well, it, it was my cottage, to be okay. honest. We have a family cottage in um, Wakefield, Quebec, and there's a diving board there. And so my dad grew up you know, using the diving board. My, 
my aunt. So everyone was really agile and could do crazy flips. And I was the, watch me, mom, watch me do this, watch me, dad. And I would go off the diving board for hours and, you know, do all these flips and stuff. So I guess that's kind of really where it all started for me. I guess that body awareness and kind of developing a little bit. So of I guess technique. having the um, access yeah. to, to that led you in that direction. Exactly. Because it sounds like the way you're describing it, it sounds like the same story that, that I hear from dancers. Mm -hmm. You know, my family, my, my, my siblings were doing it and I loved it. Yeah. So in this case, it was something physical and you were just doing it and you took natural to it. Now, anyone else in your family gifted to that level? Well, my, my sister's really good at sports and while I was a good diver, I didn't really pursue it. Um, so I just kind of laughed because then I kind of went into the arts and performing and singing and acting and dancing. And then my sister went sports. She's actually the CEO of the Canada Games Council. Oh, and I'm like okay. way in the arts. So we're completely opposite ends of the spectrum. But when I was growing up, like it was not um, really prevalent for d boys to dance. And I did want to dance, but I was told no, that I shouldn't because I was a boy so many times. So I often wonder what it what my career would be like and where I would be had I started at 10, 11, or 12. And I had, had I had that support to really kind of push me to explore the things I really was good at, you know? So I wonder, I always wonder what, where I would be if I would have started earlier. But, you know, well, no that, regrets. Well, that's interesting. When, so when you were 17, you say you took your first class, yeah. but you took to it naturally. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, it was easy for me. Did you find that it was a limitation though, being that age? Uh, and because obviously at that point, you're starting to make a career decision. Yeah, um, no, I found like it was very easy for me because there w wasn't a lot of competition for me uh, at the studio that I was at. There was like one other guy um, and, you know, we did compete a lot. His name's Hanny Abaza. Hanny, if you're watching this, he's, I think he's off in Egypt choreographing. He's a wonderful dancer and he kind of went into the jazz route and contemporary and I kind of stayed in the hip hop lane. Um, so there wasn't really a lot of competition for me and I think that really helped me kind of move ahead quickly, I think, you know, um, and start to get gigs. And I started joining a pre-professional troupe in Ottawa under the direction of this amazing dancer, Andrea Jeanette, um, and then auditioned for a reality show that completely changed my life. How old were you when you did Triple Sensation? So I graduated from university with a marketing degree. Um, I will never forget when I auditioned for Triple Sensation, because I was literally working at an advertising agency at the time, I got an email from that girl I just mentioned, Andrea Jeanette, saying, you should audition for this show. They're looking for the next triple threat. So I told my boss that I had to go on a business call or a business meeting, and I drove from Ottawa to Montreal. I'd never really sang with the piano before. I bought the sheet music 20 minutes before the audition. I had no idea what I was doing. And they really kind of saw this like untapped talent in me. And um, yeah, and I literally got on the show. I got into the top five, moved to Toronto, moved into the National Ballet School, was working with like Marvin Hamlish, who wrote a chorus line, Garth Drabinsky, producer extraordinaire, Cynthia Dale, um, Sergio Trujillo, who was a Tony award-winning choreographer. And my whole life just changed. Now that, did that come those people you're working with, is that through? Triple, tri triple, triple so, sensation. So they were, so 
Describe the show to me, because a lot of people yeah. may not have seen it. Yeah, it, it was on CBC. A lot of people didn't watch it. And, um, and, and if you're not from Canada, CBC is our national broadcaster, but because we're so close to the U.S., exactly. nobody watches our national broadcaster. So Unless it's Shit's Creek or something. You know, okay, that's a big show. That's right. We, we, we do have one big hit. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan, although it's not on um, uh, CBC as Corner Gas. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but another that's a big CTV one. that's show. So we do have a couple that came from Canada, and we send you all our comedians. So Yeah, you know, there you go. But uh, so... So describe the show to me because I want to understand sure. kind of what it was like. Yeah, so they they auditioned all across Canada. They auditioned thousands of people. Um, there were three callbacks that were um, televised. There was one in Toronto, one in Vancouver, and one in Montreal. Um, so these were episodes you could watch exactly. where they either rejected or accepted Correct. some of the people. So yeah. this would have been after your... First audition, First audition, you would make it to another... Yeah, you went through a series of producers, and you had to sing, act, and dance. Okay, so such, therefore, triple threat is singing, acting, and dancing. Exactly. So they were looking for someone that was strong in all three areas. 100%. And okay. the competitors were between the ages of 16, and I was 24 at the time. So I was very, like, on the older end of the spectrum, for sure. I was competing against 16-year-olds, and it was really interesting... Um, so the top 50 in every city were, that was the first two episodes were those three cities. And then they picked the top two girls and top two boys in every city. And that top 12 comprised the cast of the show. And then we moved to Toronto and we were filmed doing all these classes with Adrian Noble from the Royal Shakespeare Company in London. Um, Patsy Rodenberg, who is a movement and voice coach for like Hilary Swank. Um, I can't even describe it. They assembled the best coaching um, uh, panel possible, and then that was the show, us competing against each other in these high, intense situations. So give me an example of what you would perform. Is it like a musical theater? Yeah, so I sang um, Grow For Me from Little Shop of Horrors. I love that play. Yeah, it was amazing, but I was so petrified to sing on national TV. It'd be a great Seymour. Oh, I, I, yeah, and that's why I think I picked it, but I just didn't have the vocal training or confidence. I wish I could talk to myself now, like, you know, and say, you can do it, you know, because I was shaking, really? you know, being in front of Marvin Hamlish and Cynthia Dale, Garth Binsky, all these people, and national TV having not really sang before. And I so loved... So no, vo no vocal training? Like, very, very little. You okay. know, I did get a few lessons um, under my belt once I knew I would be on the show, um, and you'll see, like, if, if you show any of the clips, like, there's, pic like, clips of me crying in absolute, like, joy because I always wanted to pursue a career. I always wanted to, I remember going on my, um, laptop and looking up agents in Toronto and wanting to write cover letters but not knowing how to start and wanting to get an agent in Toronto and Triple Sensation totally changed my life, like, I moved to Toronto, I was signed to an agency, and within six months of moving here, I was like doing commercials and TV and stuff. So I'm, I'm really thankful, you know, that A, I got that email from my friend Andrea saying, go, you know, audition for this show. B, that I had the courage to leave my job that day and see that the panel of Triple Sensation, Garth Drabinsky, Cynthia Dale, all those people kind of took a chance on me. It's um, almost hard to believe that you can go from 17, never having taken a dance class, mm -hmm. 
to being on a national show with all these people that I'm sure have been dancing since they were two mm-hmm. and probably doing vocal training. I mean, I had done like musicals at, at in high school and little things. I had done a little bit of community theater, but and always wanted to like rent is my musical like rent. I am. A, I'm a rent head. I, I can sing every single song off that album. It's actually opening in Stratford and I tried to audition for it, but I was too late. Um, anyway, so yeah, I just like really loved performing always and, you know, had the courage to audition for this show, really wanted something and I wanted it to happen so bad that I feel like I manifested it for myself. I feel like I believed in myself enough that, you know, it was something I wanted and I really made happen. So how did you... Um... I'm going to go back a little bit because you say you had a marketing degree. Yeah. So why why a marketing degree? Why not take a degree in, in acting, in performance, and something related to your passion? That's a good question. So I actually did have a concentration in theater. So okay. I, you know, my mom was really um, vehement that I get like a university degree in something that was not arts related. And I'm really thankful that I did that. But I also wanted to keep um, access to like something creative or else I would just shrivel up. Like I need to be on stage. I need to be, especially back then, I needed to have something. So I did a, um, an honors in marketing communications and a concentration in theater at the University of Ottawa, which was a really great theater, uh, sorry, um, university that helped me kind of achieve both. So I would highly recommend it. Even the best dancers out there, I 100% think it's important to have a parallel career. You don't know when you can lose, you know, your leg or, you know, the ability to dance or, you know, um, it's just always important to have something else that you're really good at, good at and passionate about that's not always performing, you know, because it's hard. Well, it sounds like, I mean, as I'm reading your resume and as we're talking, this marketing degree has probably come in handy. Absolutely. With a lot of the other things because when you, so... I, I do want to kind of pursue this this next stage. So the doors open, mm-hmm. and you come into Toronto, and you get yourself an agent, which is probably one of the hardest things to do as yep. a performer, especially a, an agent that's going to support you like a real agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got all these people that are kind of help mentoring you. What is the the next step? I mean, you just start auditioning. Uh, you mentioned you got some commercials. Yeah. What was what was the next stage in your development? And where did at this point did you say okay? Because you you said you had a job. Yeah. Have you quit your job? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So you quit your job. You're saying okay, that this is my career path now. Yeah. But are you making enough money? No. Okay. So I'm glad you asked um, because even just I'm getting flashbacks of like what it was like, you know not having anything on your resume, being completely green. Um, luckily, I was on this show, so the agents that I did write, like I wrote 20 agencies. Like I was hungry, Al, and I think a lot of people are not hungry anymore. Like they wait for opportunities to come to them. I didn't, I was, I took every class I possibly could, you know, in terms of dancing. I was, I took class at the National Ballet school because I wanted to improve my hip hop training. Like, and I thought that that would actually help me and it did. Um, I got myself on every single website like mandy.com, the equity e-drive. There's so many things. Even I got a background agent to get me on sets. And actually that's how 
I remember, I'll never forget it, I was a background performer in Disney's Camp Rock background, just sitting there the original like Camp the original Rock. Camp Rock. Okay. I'm sitting there and I'm watching these dancers on stage and I'm just like so upset because I wanted to be one of the dancers. That was my always my dream to be a background dancer in a big, big movie, like a Disney movie. And I sat there like, I could do this. Why didn't my agent send me the, for this? What am I doing? And I, I promised myself, I said, if there's ever a Disney Camp Rock 2, I will book it. I will get it. I'm going to be hungry. Posting came up. I remember it. And my agent didn't even get me the audition. I secured my own audition through an other agency. And even when I showed up, I'll, I'll never forget, the casting agent was like, Jamie, why are you under this agency? We know your agent is this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, sorry, I don't know. But switch it. And so they switched <laughs> it. Yeah, and luckily my agent, you know, they got so much commission because I landed that gig. I promised myself I would book it. And Al, like when you get a call like that, like saying that you're going to be in a movie with Demi Lovato and Jonas Brothers and it's Disney, like it's the best feeling in the world. Like it's cloud nine. Like I'm getting shivers right now because I'll never forget. I fell to the ground in the fetal position and just thanked God. You know what I mean? Because it was... It's those moments that you you wait for, you fight for, you 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 live for, you know, and it's really hard as a performer because they're few and far between. Even the best actors, singers, dancers I know, you know, it's it's up and down. Like they can have a wonderful year where they make tons of money and they're booked and blessed, and then the next year you just feel worthless or difficult or challenged and you don't so that's what's really hard and you have to like have a level head and you have to be hungry. If I hadn't have written all those agencies, if I hadn't have gotten myself a background agent by myself, if I hadn't, you know, make $14 an hour as a background person for Camp Rock, I wouldn't be in Camp Rock too. You know, and if I hadn't have gone to all those classes and met all those dance affiliated people in those hip hop communities, I wouldn't have been asked to do like Kaiza for Wee Day or you know, Ariana Grande, like it's really important that people are hungry and that they work and sell themselves. And I think that that maybe the marketing degree really helped me market the one thing that I had, I knew I had, which was myself, you know what I mean? What I could do. Do you think that you had maybe a bit of a chip on your shoulder knowing you started so late? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I did call my mom on occasions. It's not her fault. But I would walk out of like the Charlottetown theater audition where they, it would be like Anne of Green Gables. They audition for that every year. And it's a technical show, you know, like you have to do a triple pirouette or you have to do like tap. And I'm just not as proficient with that. And I walked out of these auditions with, you know, open calls or, or even private calls, the union calls with like, you know, there's 30 other guys and they're nailing the triples. And I would call my mom and be like, why didn't you put me in dance? Why didn't you do it? You know, I, I know I would have booked that. It was not my mom's fault, you know, like. So, yeah, I did have a chip on my shoulder. But I think everything happens for a reason, too. I wouldn't be the same person I am today. Maybe I would be, I don't know. I don't know. I think you can't really look back in regret. You can look back and try to learn from mistakes because we all make mistakes but um i'm really thankful for a lot of the things in in my past and yeah yeah i would do th some things differently but yeah so given all that you've done 
as a performer, mm-hmm. what would be the highlight? Hairspray. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hairspray, oh, I can't. It's just such an amazing show. I think it's so beautifully written. It's got such a wonderful message. We did it at the Charlottetown Festival in PI. And I had like just the most wonderful cast, you know, um, the most proficient, prolific musical theater stars in Canada were in that show. I mean, uh, Erica Peck, who's gonna be playing Mimi in Stratford and Rent, um, Alana Bridgewater, uh, I can't even describe, there's so, Liam Tobin, um, wonderful, and uh, you know who was our mom? George Went from Cheers, Norm. Oh, really? Norm. Yeah, Norm, Norm from Cheers was our mom, yeah. Yeah, so that was, uh, it was just such a cool experience to be a dancer, but also to sing. It was a very big legitimizing thing for me to be cast in that show. Right. Do you have um, any aspirations to to do Broadway? Would you, would you think of moving to the US? Yes, I always wanted to be in Newsies. I was like uh, really young when my mom brought the VHS tape home and she said, you're gonna watch this? And I was like, I'm not watching that. That's a stupid movie about newspaper, who cares? And I like wore out the tape. Like she had to pay them Blockbuster, you know, because it was just ruined and worn. Anyway, um, and then I was like, that's gonna go to Broadway when it's on Broadway, I'm gonna be in it. But I didn't get in that show. But eventually I would like to do a Broadway show. I think I could do Book of Mormon pretty easily. I mean, (laughs) yeah. If you're listening on the podcast, yes. (laughs) Yeah. He defines white. Yeah, yeah, very, uh, you know, a little bit nerdy. It's all yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, eventually that that is one of my goals, yeah. But yeah. now I've really transitioned out of the kind of spotlight and I love directing. I love producing. There's something about seeing the finished product. Like it really, I love the process. Don't forget, you can watch this week's episode of Dance Talks on dancebugchannel.com with added photo and video content. You will also find other Dancebug original shows like Versus the Dance Comp Battle and the Dancebug Show. And now, back to this week's conversation. Well, let's talk about Mini Pop Kids because yeah. obviously you weren't in Mini Pop Kids. I was not, You're, no. Although you may be, you may have been able to slide Maybe, maybe. may not yeah. have noticed. <laughs> I don't you think know. so, yeah. Is that Jamie in there? <laughs> yeah. But uh, so that was something where you were behind the scenes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and obviously, uh, how did that come about? What was, and what's the time frame on that? Yeah, well, I started Mini Pop Kids as a choreographer. Um, I was called in last minute to save a TV commercial that was the very next day. So I showed up on set, had no idea what the choreography was. It was a little bit discombobulated, so I had to like fix it. And it was a great experience. And, you know, even one of the people, one of the mini pop kids on set that day was Johnny Orlando. And Johnny Orlando is like a massive celebrity. So um, I started as choreographer there. And then I kind of like, because of my marketing degree, I turned to the person that owned it. And I was like, I think I'm really good at this. Like, I think I can, I think you should hire me. And she was like, well, maybe, I don't know. And then I kind of convinced her. And then I took the, the whole brand from about three or four shows a year to over 65 across North America. Uh, Got them, helped get a clothing line in Walmart, over 200,000 subscribers on YouTube. Uh, And it was a really challenging 
time. For those who are not familiar with it, just, just tell me about Mini Pop. So Mini Pop Kids, Kids what, what they do is they take you know the contemporary hits of the on the radio and they remix them for family friendly versions. Um, and it's not really about the albums anymore as much, you know, because um, everyone streams music. So it became much more about the tour. And I helped them produce and choreograph, set, manage. Pretty much was a uh, wore a lot of hats there. Yeah, yeah. So your marketing degree and your your, your business side was tested. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have. And you fell in love with that. Yeah, I did. I loved working with the kids, and I think that was. It really helped me translate what I had learned as a performer um, to young kids that are aspiring young performers. Like that's what I really liked. You know, I know how to talk to them versus at them. You know, um, everyone from like dancers to singers, and you know that's where I'm transitioning now to much more the directing, producing side of things. So that leads us to this new venture that you have. Yes. Um, real. Real talent. talent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what what is it? What people expect, um, mm -hmm. and what do you hope to to accomplish with it? Well, I've been in the competitive dance world for, you know, I think twenty years now, um, wow. and I wanted to try something new. I wanted to offer something new, and content is key these days. So I've kind of created this content creation based competition where everyone can kind of, you know, come to compete. You know, like a regular competition. But your walk away is really a high quality video with a complete, near complete um, LED screen background that you can customize what's shown on the background um, on those screens to be relevant to what your performance is. And that's what I kind of have been kind of heading towards a lot more. Like I did virtual concerts in the pandemic um, for a bunch of different artists and I was able to really kind of create magic using these LED screens and these production studios, these virtual production studios are pretty unbelievable. So real talent is kind of, I don't know, offering an alternative to finals. You know, finals can get really expensive for people, for dance studios and all those families to, you know, go for four days to Blue Mountain or to wherever it is, um, you know, to give kids something new, something um, to end off their season. So I'm kind of creating this video-based competition where everyone comes in and they walk away with this high-quality video that they can use to add to their demo reel or to put on their socials because um, content is key these days. Yeah. The world is, has changed. I, I do want to mention it's real, R-E-E-L. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For if you're demo looking reels. for it, R-E-E-L, like a demo reel. And that leads me into sort of discussion about, because uh, you mentioned you need to be hungry. You need to be out there doing your own thing. What is your thought about social media right now? And, and because a lot of people are on there mm -hmm. and, and some people are breaking through. Mm -hmm. um, does that qualify in your mind? Like, can you just have social media presence? Is that enough no. to work hard? No, no absolutely okay. not. Yeah, I, I would say social media is the secondary in my opinion. Um, the primary focus and goal for anyone is network building. 100%. The amount of jobs that I've gotten just by being nice is astounding to me. You know, like I wouldn't have danced for Ariana Grande if I didn't make a great impression to the person that was wrangling all the talent for the Much Music Video Awards. You know, like I didn't audition for Ariana Grande. I literally was offered the position because they knew I could dance and I was on their radar. If I wouldn't have 
been so hungry, if I hadn't have gone to all those classes, if I hadn't have put myself out there, if I hadn't have gotten an agent, you know, all of that stuff, I would not have had these opportunities 100%. So, it doesn't matter how talented you are. So going out on social media and just creating this massive platform with, you know, how many hundreds of thousands of followers is not no. in your mind good enough. It's impersonal, right. you know, like 100% it's important, you know, um, to follow. Like what, now that I'm a little bit outside of the dancing, like when I see someone that's like Caroline Torty, I look up to, I think she's brilliant. I think she's an amazing dancer and she's very similar to me where she's transitioned a little bit out of dancing into more of a director producer. She works with Priyanka who won Canada's Drag Race. She has this beautiful, wonderful company called Hallowed Grands Entertainment and she does a lot of production stuff. Um, so I look up to Caroline because she is a visionary. She knows um, you know, sorry, what I was saying about that is when she puts something up on social media and like she's using um, this specific camera person or, or makeup people, I try to follow all those people. I like, you know, and it might be a makeup person, um, a gaffer for lighting, or it might be sound people. Who knows? It might be a graphic designer or a photographer. I just try to expand my network on social media because if I'm kind of exposed to what they're doing, you never know. They might need a director sometime. They might post in search of a director, need them tomorrow, you know, and suddenly you have access to what they may need. Um, so you're just expanding your, your network on socials, hoping that someone sees you. But if you're not doing it in person and building a relationship where someone can really remember you, I don't think it works. You know, marketing in general is, is product placement, you know, all of that stuff and, and repetition and how many times you see something. So if you're watching my social media, that's one way. But if you and I meet at a dance event and then you're like, hey, I saw you on Instagram, you know, that was an amazing job you did, whatever. Then suddenly we have something to talk about and we're building a much stronger relationship and you'll much more, or sorry, you'll have the capacity um, to remember me a lot more than had we not ever met in person, I think. Yeah, I just know that um, in general, the social media has, it's almost like you're saying, a very isolated uh, experience where people simply want to be in that space and, and that's it. But I think as a tool, yeah. it can certainly be very, very helpful. Um, you, you mentioned, I, I want to talk about uh, the competition side because you went through and you're looking to create this product real uh, talent to kind of augment or support the co competitive side. You, you're connected with that as a judge, mm -hmm. but you really never went through the competitive uh, industry as a dancer because you- Two years, two, two years. years. So you were right at the tail end. Absolutely. Um, what are your thoughts right now on the co competition side and is it better for boys? Because that was really your biggest challenge was that you didn't feel comfortable or weren't encouraged right? and lost a lot of time mm -hmm. that you could have been, been doing. Do you, think, do you think that has changed or, or does something need to still work? 100% it's changed. Yeah, like I think there's such a, a support for, you know, boys dance too. And, you know, that happened not too long ago when, you know, that host said a bunch of odd things. I think it was about one of the... Um, royal family, you know, about, oh, right. remember yeah. they said something about boys should be playing with Lego instead of 
anyway, um, appalling comment, but it really kind of created a, that, a movement, yeah. right? Boys yeah. Dance too, and and I think it's really prevalent now. You know, I I, I see so many boys, all boys hip hop classes, which I find amazing, um, you know, uh, because they're trying to encourage boys to really kind of take that leap and try something new. Um, so I do see a lot of change in, in that respect. And, you know, I wish it was different when I was younger, but I'm happy the change is happening now. So, yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, if there's, if there's something positive to be taken from negative is that it's it's now no longer taboo mm -hmm. and more uh more more boys are going to get into dance which will make it a lot easier a little more difficult for them to make a career out of it yeah because it's getting more competitive now yeah and 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 that's the 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 thing that i always uh i always question is how your mom asked you to get a degree in something else on the other hand you say it's essential that you are focused and you've got that drive but everybody can't be a professional dancer no and not everybody's going to make a career out of it how do you balance those two it's a good question um yeah it, it, it's a fine balancing balancing act i remember you know um auditioning so much you know going to calls for mervis shows and then com commercials and tv shows and everything like that and then also having to teach at night. So I would teach like five nights a week, five hours a night, and it was really challenging to go to all these auditions because back then it was all in person. We weren't even doing virtual send-ins for auditions. You had to go to the Magic Building or to Stephanie Gorin or to Robin D. Cook. And um, yeah, such a challenge, such a different time. Um, Finding a balance is, it, it's tough for sure. You know, I remember teaching um, five hours a night, five nights a week and auditioning in the daytime, having to go to the places to audition because there was no virtual, you know, um, self tapes uh, back then. And it, it was, it was really hard. Um, and I think that's part of the reason I transitioned out a little bit because I wasn't able to find that perfect balance. Um, yeah, and you just have to keep pushing yourself. And you and I think you have to be inspired by what you're doing. You know, that's why I love this new real talent what I'm starting because it's all the things that have happened in my career in terms of directing, producing, performing, production, marketing, it's all coming into one head. It's all it's all led me here. So I'm hoping that, you know, people, dance studios all around, because I'm going to take this on the road. We're starting in Toronto in 2023, June 15th to the 18th um, for singers, actors, and dancers. And then we're going to take it on the road so that everyone across Canada can have access to a really cool way you can create cutting edge content without the astronomical price, you know, because these studios are like, tens of thousands of dollars to rent in a day and it's really hard to create this cool content without um someone like real talent kind of doing it all for you you so, need yeah. to have that scale exactly well that's interesting and and something that i think a lot of people are going to be interested in because as you say content is king mm -hmm. dance has changed so much i mean it's changed in my life it's changed in your life yeah absolutely the way that it's perceived and the way that it is um sort of built into our society yep uh shows like so you think you can dance dancing with the stars seem to have changed 
people's vision of what dance means and and how important it is in somebody's life you know when i was growing up dance was something that was in movies mm -hmm. it was something that you could see on the ed sullivan show mm -hmm. at night sometimes or, or carol burnett yeah they would do some dance um i mean there weren't even music videos right you know until uh until mtv rolled around what do you think the future of dance is going to be like is there is there room for it to change is there it's hard to say. I mean, you know, like we were doing some TikToks earlier, Marnie and I, and um, it's just funny to even for me, like how dance has become a little bit more fun through TikToks. Like it's less about how perfect you are. It's less about anything else other than just like having a good time. Um, and I feel like even there's been such a heavy influence with K-pop um, dancing and all of that choreography coming to a head a little bit and um, being at the forefront and k-pop has like an almost like a like an attack where i'm not trying too hard you know like it has like a an ease to it where you're not even supposed to go full out a little bit and maybe i'm wrong and maybe people would yell at me and i'm sorry if you disagree with me dance is subjective so let's be honest um but yeah there's all these different evolutions of, of movements of dance. I mean, it wasn't too long ago that I think I heard someone in the States, like a very famous choreographer was actually trying to um, copyright dance moves. I heard about that. Yeah, which I heard about that. is interesting, you know, like, so, you know, as, as we evolve, as technology evolves and our access to information and the way we actually digest the information, dance will always change 100%. And no one can even predict where it's going, I don't think. Well, you mentioned something because it, it, it is, I think, more fun, more accessible. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that might be what TikTok has done. Mm -hmm. uh, and probably the pandemic didn't hurt because people were stuck inside and wanted to connect with each other and they were doing it through these dances yeah. and these experiences. Um, and it wasn't about being critically perfect. It was about enjoying yourself. I, I, I see a lot more people who, who are looking at dance more for the enjoyment, for the experience, and less about being technically perfect. Um, a lot of people are coming into dance who don't even understand right. any of that stuff, which brings me back to the competitive world again. Well, I think this is a good segue into what we do at Versus, I think, because Marnie and I and all of the mystery guest judges, the routines that stood out to us the most were not the ones really that were the most technically proficient. It was all the ones where you could feel something. Like, I dancers are superhuman these days. I've been saying it for at least 10 years. When I was younger, you know, and I know I didn't grow up in the dance world when I was like seven or eight or nine, but even when I was 17, there was maybe like a handful of kids at a studio that could do an aerial maybe five out of 30 on the senior team. Now everyone is doing aerials. You know, like my nephew, he's four. I mean, sorry, that's a lie. I was about to say he does four back handsprings. He's not four, he's 11. <laughs> okay, because that would have been- <laughs> Yeah, it's a little bit different. Pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but he's 11 and he taught himself how to do back handsprings. Because they're just on these phones and they're and they're getting inspired at really young ages and they're kind of, dissecting how it is done and then they just try it themselves. So yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the routines that we respond to have changed now because no one really cares if you can do 
you know, eight turns in a row and slow down the last two and then give us an extension. Like if it's not connected to feeling, if it's not connected to something that we're moved by and not just, you know, impressed by, then like we've seen it before, you know, like give us something that we can respond to, that we can feel and that, um, you know, definitely is what's actually winning. And Do you think the competitive world will change? Do you think TikTok and, and these types of, of uh, experiences that, that younger dancers are, are growing up with is going to change the way they wish to be judged and, and wish to perform? Maybe, yeah, I think so. I mean, being a, being a judge at a dance competition is tough. You know, like I hear so many times like, people complaining, oh, that judge didn't say anything, or, you know, they don't know anything about hip hop, or they don't know anything about this, you know. Um, and I think that's a little bit of an entitled opinion because it's tough to sit there for 150 routines in one day and be on your best every single time and offer everyone your 150% attention um, when it's just you're kind of compromised throughout the day, right? You're either have to go to the washroom or you're hungry, you know, you've just seen this routine like five times, that solo. Um, yeah, so I think uh, people have to exercise a little bit more patience as we kind of move through um, the way dance is kind of gonna evolve and and remember where it came from as well. I think we're, we're losing a lot of um, our, our fundamentals of, you know, where hip hop came from and all the, uh, because of this new appropriation and how things are evolving and changing you know so and it's a pretty pretty vague topic a pretty gray area you could go on forever well I, I feel like we're right in the middle of something and i think that's why it's so difficult i think it will make sense when we come out of it mm -hmm. when we see what the result of a generation growing up learning moves but not learning moves um uh who was amy wright we uh, i was speaking to her and and she was, uh, was it Amy Wright or was it uh, Mandy Moore? I can't remember. Somebody was, was complaining that TikTok's not dancing. Right. You know, that this is, you know, this is not dancing. Well, you're in a box, right? Yeah. Like you're literally confined to a box. But, you know, it kind of goes back to like the, the K-pop, the way that it's style of attack is. And it's just different. And I think it celebrates the fun in it versus, you know, the actual execution. But it will have an impact on the way dance evolves right you exactly. know like the it's, way it's going to bring people into something that they may not have been interested in you know every couple of years we're told the musical movie musical is dead mm -hmm. right they've been they've, they've been uh talking about its demise for for decades mm -hmm. and in every few years there's a explosion yeah. You know, um, the last was La La, La, La Land. Mm -hmm. Kind of old school. Going yeah, back. even Disenchanted just came out. Disenchanted. You know, yeah, Amy Adams. Yep. yep. And, and But they always say, oh, you can't make it work. And someone like Best Side Story bombs and says, well, it's because of, you know, dance, it's, it's dead. Mm -hmm. No one will watch it. I think we're creating a generation who are not going to be surprised anymore when people break out into dance. Right. And that was always, I don't know why in the 50s, we kind of 40s 50s we kind of accepted that as mm. as just normal that every movie you know they, they're not really related they don't move the story along right they just fair, break yeah. out into dance yeah and then it became necessary that the dance be integrated into the story right oh, that's the only way we can watch it 
Fair, yeah. yeah. And and I think La La Land said, no, we can go right back to that old style because it's fun. Mm-hmm. And I think we have a whole generation now of young people who are going to feel that dance is part of their lives. Well, and nostalgia is, is key now too, right? There's so many trends that are coming back. And I mean, it's been happen- happening forever, but I think they're... You know there is a, a massive like hang on to the past and you know where we where we came from you know every generation thinks that they've invented something mm-hmm. and that they're the best there is there is so much mm-hmm. quality music quality performances quality entertainers that are being hidden from an entire generation so when they find it they kind of make it their own well which I, is great i have no problem yeah, with that. yeah i couldn't agree more and and that's why you know not to bring it, well, to bring it back to real talent. That's why I created real talent because I wanted a competition that was like 2023, you know, that was um, developed and designed to kind of coincide with the way we digest dance now. You know, it's literally, uh, these videos, it's not for stage. Like it's it's literally the choreography gets translated to film and camera. So um, it's interesting it will be interesting to see how these competitors translate their stage skills to camera, you know, and kind of, it's a different beast, right? It's, it's a different skill. It's absolutely a and, different And skill. I think it's a great idea to give them the opportunity mm-hmm. to perform it. It's not something that they can do on their own. Correct. Uh, yeah. And as you said, it's very expensive if somebody tries to do it one-on-one. So it needs to be in this type of environment. And, you know, I, I applaud you for thinking outside the box. Thank because you. Because we have hundreds of competitions right. that come through Dancebug. I get calls every day from people starting new competitions and they're variations on a theme. Right. And I hear very few ideas that truly break the, the you know the mold and try something totally different. So, you know, you know, kudos to you for trying it and I, I hope so. I hope it succeeds because uh, there is going to be some kind of uh, growth. There's right. going to be some kind of change. Yep. And uh, who knows? It might be real talent leads the way. So, Oh, I'm pretty confident. Yeah, I've had lots of people interested and I just know that it's it's just the, you're, like you said, it's outside the box. It's it thinking is. fresh. It's new and exciting. It's thinking totally differently. And I think that's what the dance comp world needs, a little bit of new life injected into it. And we talked, you brought up briefly uh, versus yeah. the dance comp battle, but I would be remiss if I don't ask you just a oh, little about that experience. Please. I know... Uh, I'm connected to it. There's very little that I don't know. But, you know, tell me what the experience has been like and and what it's like working with Marnie. I'll be honest. I wasn't sure what to expect at the beginning. You know, I had no idea what it was all about. And the second that Marnie and I met, like, it was just so easy. Like, the chemistry was, like, palpable. Um, We just can't stop laughing whenever we're (laughs) in the room with each other. Um, and yeah, it's just been a really wonderful process. It's been nice to get to know more dance affiliated people from like across the world that are working professionally. Like, you know, I, I know of Alex Wong. I've, I've, we've, we've gone like this and crossed paths for a decade, but I've never actually talked to him. You know, Amanda LeCount, that was like unreal. I've been watching her on, you know, TikTok and on YouTube and Fenty shows for such a long time. So it was nice to meet her and you know, and get to know these studios. It's an international competition. So it's been, it's been really cool. Yeah, I, I, as I mentioned, uh, you know, the other time, but it is, it is great to be able to showcase these performances that, that studios have worked so hard on and then just kind of get archived. Yes. Because there's really no place 
for them to to show it. And as you mentioned, the ones that get your attention, the ones that get my attention, the ones that get the voters' attention, are the ones that touch something. Absolutely. That it's not about the nice thing about this show is it's not about technical. Every one of these performances have have gone through competition season. They've all won something. Mm-hmm. They get to pick what they want to put on. So we know that they're all going to be the top performances. But it's finding that extra special thing. Yeah. And we've had some really amazing performances that that linger with me. And uh, we have season two, which is uh, starting uh, in yep. February. Uh, and that's going to be really exciting. 15 brand new studios. I can't wait. Yeah. I mean, it was seamless. It was so awesome. There's so many people behind the camera that, you know, put it all together. And I, I had people reach out to me from Florida. I had people um, in the UK that saw it, you know, so it's been really kind of cool. I mean, like, there's even a guy that runs at Billy's wearing my face on, on a t-shirt right now, you know, it's just <laughs> been so funny and a hilarious journey. Yeah, and I can't wait to see what happens in 2023. Well, thank you, Jamie, for, for uh, being a part of Dance Talks and being a part of Versus. Thank you, Al. It's been, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you and uh, learn a little about your journey. And I can't wait to see how a real talent uh, works out for you and, and we'll support it any way we can, as you know. Uh, thank you to the Dance Talks viewers for joining us. And if you would like to watch this podcast, actually see the video of me and Jamie in, in person, uh, you can do that on dancebugchannel.com. Just look for Dance Talks, the episode with Jamie Hodgins. Thanks for listening to the Dance Talks podcast. New episodes are available every Thursday at noon.